Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Just thank you for these guys who've come up here, Lord, to open and study and learn and live your word. And Father, as we get started with this new gospel, the gospel of John, that's changed the world and changed so many lives and brought so many people to faith, Lord, may it be, may we see it fresh in ways we haven't seen. May we get to know you in ways we haven't gotten to know you before. May we, through your Spirit, live this word that you've given us, Lord. So just guide us tonight. Um, may your Spirit fall upon this little upper room as we remember in John, particularly, uh, that we're going to be setting um, where that upper room for John was so key to the teachings that he gave before he went to the cross. And what for Jesus before Jesus went to the cross. So, um, Lord, we thank you for your Son. We thank you that he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is fully human, fully God, the one who lives today at the right hand of the Father. And today, Lord, may you hear us. May you teach us. May you empower us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Um, let's just go around. Um, maybe because we have some new people here, maybe something just quick about yourself <laughs> um, or connected or whatever so the people who we don't know um, will get to know you. Um, hey, Pete. Hey, Pete. Is your ticket to ride? <laughs> we're going to sit next to Gil. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to just go around because we have some new people here, Pete. Just introduce yourself, maybe say a sentence or two. And that's it, just to sort of, as we, as we go around. So, go ahead, Gil. Uh, I'm, my name's Gil. I'm, uh, I, go to, I go to a little church in Lovett. I'm an artist. Um, I'm getting ready for the festivals. Uh, so, uh, I have, I'll always have pain on me. So, you recognize me. <laughs> uh, I'm Peter. And... Uh, I don't know, what are you supposed to say? <laughs> Anything. Anything. <laughs> are you the real Peter? <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> we, have a we have a Peter. Eric, go for it. Of course, we know all about you now. <laughs> You've uh, Eric Jensen. Um, I've been coming to Laguna since for 78 years. So I know what Laguna used to be like. And it's changed. <laughs> And I'm retired. I'm Mark. I am uh, live in Idaho, here for the summer. Happy to be here. Welcome. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Chris, I uh, live in Lake Forest. Uh, mm. I go to Mariners, uh, and I enjoy the outdoors. Great. Awesome. Tom, um, recent transplant, but I'm um, just happy to be here. Uh, seeing Pastor here. I'm Steve. I married uh, Michelle 10 years ago. This was her home church, and uh, I have been here since uh, for six years. We moved back from Northern California, so that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chad. I live right down the street. I've been going to church here for uh, a little over two years, and I'm currently the interim youth pastor here. <laughs> <laughs> Just came on that roll. Awesome. You are the youth pastor here. 
I am right now. Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, we're all right now. <laughs> yeah, here we are. We, we need yeah. to get out of here alive. Right. <laughs> My name's Bruce. Uh, started attending this church to uh, fellowship with my daughter and her husband and our grandkids uh, almost 20 years ago, I guess. <laughs> They're 20. So, anyhow. I'm Tom, and I used to go here to church many years ago and came to the men's Bible study in the upper room with about three or four of these guys for many years. And I live in Laguna Niguel, and I'm retired. Mm-hmm. And an artist, too. That's right. And I'm John, also an artist, <laughs> painter kind of guy, and I've been coming to this church for about 26 years now. And uh, the upper room was always my deal, uh, that I really connected with this church very much because of the uh, discussions and uh, great feeling uh, we have in this room as well as downstairs too. It's just a, a delight to be a part of this group. I'm very thankful for it. I've been here for good and off and on since 65. Here, here, John. <laughs> My name's Glenn. Uh, my wife and I have been coming to church here for four years. And my name's Greg Soule. Um, I actually started coming to this church about 2014. And when I did start it, um, I think, Tom, you were probably already here up here in, in the upper room. So I started uh, by just, I'd heard about the church, started coming here with my wife, and um, was still finishing my school at Fuller. Um, and actually it was coming up to this room for Tuesday night men's group um, that I started to get to know guys around here and get to know the church um, and then became a consultant for the church to in- implement a bunch of technology here and get some systems from manual to more electronic um, and then went from consultant to elder that's what we would jump. <laughs> Then to pastor, so I always go backwards. Um, and then I left for Colorado Springs, so I could come back in a year. And so I've been back for it's like two years now. I can't believe it's been wow. over two years. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it doesn't seem like I've ever left in one hand, but it's like two years. You were only gone a year. Yeah, it's only gone a year. I know it seemed like forever. It, it, uh, to me, it did. I mean, were, were you planning on staying, or you were planning on coming back, or what? We didn't know. You didn't know. I mean, no, it was sort of an experiment for my wife and I. Mean, we we're from here. And yeah. so, you know, we, I was only part-time. Her, she got a job transfer, which was the main thing. Colorado Springs? Yeah, because for Oracle. She worked for Oracle. Okay. And they decided to um, start, a, she works for the, she worked. She now doesn't work for Oracle anymore, but she worked for the support department. And they wanted her to, they wanted to centralize support for a certain product um, in Colorado Springs, where it used to be all over the place. Mm. Well, they attempted to do that. And then when COVID hit and everything, mm-hmm. um, everything just, um, but right when that all happened is when I was called back to come here too. So yeah, we did not expect to be back so soon, but we're, we're glad to be back. This is like home. We're glad you're back. <laughs> yeah. John, what, what, what does, uh, what, what kind of, what does Jason have? I don't know. Yeah. I haven't been just, over to see yeah. him. Oh. You just say he's not feeling good. So, oh. yeah. Um, all right. So, to get started in John, I actually want to start by asking a really serious question to all of you, um, which, it, which is, 
why are you here? And I mean that really seriously. Like, what's the purpose of you coming tonight? And even wanting to be part of this study. I mean, I've never really asked that question. Um, but it's going to also deal with some of the things we're going to do with John. But, like, you come here. We're coming here on Tuesday night. We, you know, we took a break. We're starting this again. Um, either why you've been coming or really, okay, we're going to start this new Gospel of John. What, for you, why are you here? What's, what's your purpose in being here? And I mean that just really seriously. Um, so I'd love to hear, yeah, Eric. Um, men don't normally relate. And when you're a member of the church, you know, we see each other, but we don't know each other. Mm. And so for me, it's the getting to know other men in the church um, and knowing a little bit about them and connecting and just feeling more a part of the church through that connection. Mm -hmm. And I would say that actually the, the fellowship and being together is the primary thing, but we're all interested in the same thing, heading down the road in the same direction. And so what could be better than, you know, furthering your walk with uh, fellowship with people that you go to church with? Yeah. Good. Thank you. I, I go to a Calvary Chapel down in San Clemente now, but they have a big men's group on Tuesday night, and I went a few times, and they go by a workbook, and it's just so outlined, and you just don't feel there's any spontaneity, you don't feel the Holy Spirit, and I used to come here to the study, and go to this church too, and I love this intimacy in this room, being in the upper room is a huge plus, Absolutely. and I hope we stay here, because the Holy Spirit likes it here. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> and, and I'm excited to come on John because I think it's the most beautiful book in the Bible. Why do you, why do you think that? I think it's, as I said to you, it's, yeah. it's poetic and it's uh -huh. deep. I mean, the first chapter, try and put your mind around that. That is it's just beautiful stuff. Mm -hmm. And to have a bunch of godly guys, I mean, this is the Holy Spirit shows up when men start discussing this, this mm -hmm. in, in a free-form way, and that's what we have here. We're very fortunate. I've sort of returned because I was going through health issues, and then I got so far behind with Isaiah um, that... You gave was, up? I gave up. I gave up on Isaiah. Um, I, try, I tried. <laughs> Where'd you stop at? <laughs> um, <laughs> Chapter six. I could read chapter six forever. That was, the only, that was the only chapter we ever really studied. That was really the only chapter we studied. Don't, don't give up because we're still memorizing. Yeah, yeah. we're still yeah. doing that. Oh, it's still happening. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just really quick while he says that, just so you guys know, we are. If anybody wants to join in, we're memorizing Isaiah, Isaiah 52, 52 13 through 53, 12. And I will say it has been super hard struggle for me. Um, I am now on the last verse. So not that I could repeat everything from the first, but I'll let you know that when at some point Steve, I know, is working on it. So um, I... I would love for you guys, and I'll maybe talk about that stuff as we go along, but love for you guys to join in that. Um, 
it is it is changing me. I'll be really blunt. I mean, I'm I'm finding out that I'm memorizing memorizing verses as I'm going through things, going, "Wow, the Lord has gone through this," um, and just seeing things I've not seen before. But it's very hard also to memorize um, because it's not really it's a it's poetry. Like we were talking about, it's poetry, um, but it is so rich as to who Jesus is. Um, so that's always an invitation. Um, we'll see if anybody. It's fifty-two. Yeah, so it's called thirteen right. to fifty-three, twelve. Right, and the yeah. reason why is yeah, because all great. that's called the uh, most people just call it Isaiah fifty-three. Yeah, but sure. it, it's the fourth servant song. It is the primary servant song that points directly to the Lord, hmm. um, to, to Christ. Um, which we're going to be seeing that um, as we go through John. So, all right, other others. Um, love to hear from. Yeah, Pete. <clears throat> studying studying the Word of God is should be like exercise, right? Hmm. Should kind of ex- exercise regularly to help you. Studying the Word of God is like a good spiritual discipline for health. But it's, it's nice to have a good, like, serious Bible study, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think you do a good job of that for us, Greg. Like fleshing things out. I kind of say it's this does remind me of almost like a college level, mm-hmm. right? Like it does. Like I the, agree. The, the curriculum or what you're learning, uh, kind of like well, even like not only college level, maybe even like a master's, mm-hmm. master's level type of uh, teaching, kind of to me. And then of course the guys are great, like all. Very eclectic, um, <laughs> younger, older, all walks of life, and we can we can all get along and have the same spirit, and um, that's nice because I've I've always kind of been in men's groups. Um, I think that's healthy. So, yeah, Those are good. Okay, good. You know, I'm going to offer this is mm-hmm. uh, the last few years. Uh, oh, first. The teaching we do get from you, Greg, is just absolutely so different than what would happen elsewhere. What you're saying, Tom, the interpersonality interaction, uh, it's it's absolutely impacting our lives in that transformation that's, that's happening. It's happening in various ways. And for those of us who are just coming or those of us who have been here for a while, uh, because I, I'm having effects too and I just want to offer this aspect that um, you know I'm, I'm, I'm a happy person I'm joyful um, there's a lot of transformations that God kind of does with you where you know if you're at a barbecue and there's like a skewer that goes through a piece of meat but it's almost like the truth will penetrate through these rays of truth are just coming from him in different ways and they impact in different ways and I guess I wanted to offer um, that the last, you know, even five years, there's, there's been a lot of different issues, but there's been like this malaise in my personal life. Uh, I come from a very large family up in the Bay Area. Michelle has a very large family, but in my soul, I had not lost my joy, even though talking to the Lord, I've asked, you know, maybe can I, some of the joy of my salvation, can we kind of return some of that? And, but... What I would say, it's almost like I've experienced having a meal, and when you eat the food, and the great goodness of our designing Father to give us flavor and food, that's an amazing thing. But what I've experienced in my emotions, it's almost like eating food, 
that had no flavor. And so uh, the last few years, it's like I would come and go study, do a lot of stuff. And it's at times, it wasn't depression, but it was this malaise. And so I've talked to him and I had feedback from Jeff. I've had feedback from, from Greg in various things. And so what I'm getting right now is this malaise thing is definitely, I knew from early uh, transform, transformative parts of my walk with him that he would take me through these various tunnels. And so the last four or five years, I'd say it's that I have not been a lover of like the sojourner of people. I have not been loving people. And I'm in a situation day to day, like with uh, the job and stuff where there's people, the trades or whatever, they're just like in your face or move on. And I, and I struggle every day and I like people. And I, I love my the body of Christ, but I think that the Lord is just really pushing on me with regard to what I have called this malaise, this neutral place. Because I've asked, can you remove it? I don't, you know, is that I'm supposed to to love more than I do. And uh, I want to get to that. And the only other thing I would mention right now, too, is how when you in the past have, have explained to us, you know, how... At the very beginning of creation, God hovering over creation, and how you have shown how eternity is hovering over us. And, uh, and there's like this overlap. He's coming. He's <coughs> going to make everything the way it used to be. And uh, all of our hearts are kind of burdened for that. We want that. And as we taste his word more and more, um, it's like, come Lord Jesus. And so... I am, I am happy that before he comes, I would have an opportunity to get right with really kind of loving the aspects of anybody, people from other countries or just people I wouldn't think that I would love, or but just really work on that because that's what he wants his body to do. And uh, there's just been parts of my jaded heart that have it, has not been doing that. And so... Yeah, so good. he's Thanks. he's he's affecting that. Yeah, that's good. Thanks. But uh, you um, you do have. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, Gil. I don't want to. I want to keep going on. So go ahead, Tom. Um, this is something that I talked with Pastor Greg about a couple of weeks ago. But um, let's see if I can say. But um, I I gather there's this in within me. There's it, during my journey. There is a biblical man. And then there's an application man. There's a, someone who lives outside of the word, even though I understand and, and know the word to the degree that I do. Um, where am I, am I applying and living my life through that word, or am I living it almost apart from from the word at times? Where okay, be a good boy, do this. You know what the word says. Go ahead and do this. These things. And there's just times where I feel like they're not. It, it, there's times where it's together, and there's sometimes where it's away. There's sometimes it's it's this woven thing. And at times, I feel in that malaise, kind of in this thirty thousand foot cruising altitude, where I don't. I'm not feeling anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not sensing anything. Um, mm-hmm. But really trying to bring it closer to center where I'm living and walking like what it says uh, clothe yourself and, and to put off the old man and new man renewing your mind and just trying to just 
make that more of prayer hands together, working together, versus sometimes working independently. Uh, when you need the word, you'll use the word. When you feel like you're if you're sufficient and help, you can do things on your own. You'll you'll do that mm -hmm. instead of just this mm -hmm. yeah, co-joining. Like uh, using the Holy Spirit, God, and Jesus all together. Yeah, great. You mean a confluence of your uh, of of all of the people that are within you? Yeah. All right, others. Anybody else want to? Oh, I know. When I come here, I it it helps me feel closer to the Lord, hmm. and um, it, it's I used to come to prayer here with Jay and. Um, but it's just um, in the fellowship that we have, um, it, it just all, um, a lot of different aspects bring me here. Glenn, you were... Well, this, this place really fills my bucket. <laughs> you know, I mean, I can go out from here and... Love it. I can go out from here and fill, filled only to return the next Tuesday with my bucket nearly empty <laughs> and I have to refill it again. Mm -hmm. um, I get that from church as well. It's also church, you know, Jeff's messages and well, church service really helps fill the bucket, but I'm telling you, there's nothing like being with a group of guys, godly men, that are trying to do it right and we stumble and help each other up and there's nothing like that in the world. Nothing outside this, outside this door is anything like what we have right here. I don't know all of you very well. I know some of you here and there, but each time I come here, I learn just a little bit more about each of us. And not only am I learning from Greg and, and you know, just really being able to dive into the Word the way Greg does it, I learned from every one of you guys here. And uh, I tell you, I, I, I go home and, and I just like, man, I just feel like on top of the world. Mm. You know, it's that mountaintop experience, you know. Um, and I love it, so mm. hope I can uh, keep coming. Challenge <laughs> you, uh, For me, like, coming to this men's group was like the first thing I really did when I came to this church. And Jason, one day, told me, hey, there's a men's group on Tuesday, you need to come. <laughs> and, like, um, I was already walking with the Lord when I started coming to this group, but this like drastically changed my life in like a very real way, uh, in a lot of ways. And like when I started <coughs> being here as part of this group, I started to get to know a lot of you and like see what God was doing in all of your lives, and then also just like, hear the word with an open heart. I feel like Greg, you've always created like an atmosphere of just like let's just hear God's word, let's hear what it has to say. And I was seeing God work in like a lot of your lives, and then. You can really start to change some things in my life. And like, I can 100% say my life would look totally different if I hadn't been part of this group for the last two years. Like, I for sure would not be the youth pastor here. I would for sure be doing something else. I would for sure be spending a lot of my time doing other things. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess like, to be concise, the reason like why I love this so much and why like I love being here is just that I've, as I've developed relationships with different people, seeing God do things through your life and a lot of it is like through the screw and then through my life so I just like want to continue to see that because to me there's nothing more encouraging than that hmm. anyone else 
Well, I guess I'll say something. Yeah. I, well, I came here because Greg, who I, I've always seen the presence of God in you, and uh, many of my brothers see it too, and so that it's a blessing always to be with you. Um, I, but I, I do, the book of John has been absolutely influential in my life. Uh, reading the prayer at Gethsemane was like, John 16 and 17 was like, really changed me in the whole way that I look at Christianity and what our calling is here. I like, uh, I mean, to what kind of everyone's point is, and I'll just leave it at this, is like, in 16, in John 16, Christ prays for us to be one, is Him and the Father are one, mm-hmm. right? And that's what I think we're all trying to get here, is fellowship with one another. I mean, true unity, right? Mm-hmm. And so, it's encouraging to see. Yeah, yeah thanks, Mark. That was great. Yeah, yeah, Eric. Just one last thing that uh, what I found is is that somehow being closer to God in the study, I found that God's showing me what He wants me to do hmm. and what what my near term purpose is. Because I'm getting old. <laughs> We're all getting no sand in the top of the <laughs> a lot of sand at the bottom, and I'm thinking, yeah. well, it's all over for me. But uh, God's been speaking to me really strongly that He has purpose for me, and I think coming to the group, it's put me in touch with what that purpose is. Um, you're never done. Yeah. Anyone else? You're never you're done. You're never done. Until the fat lady <laughs> sings. Even if you're, if you think you are, you're not. You yeah. just have to, sometimes it's just a little harder to move in the morning. Eric, I have, I can assure you, you're going to be around a long time. You know why? <laughs> why? You have big ears. <laughs> okay. That's a, a Danish trait, actually. Uh. And my mom had a caregiver who was a Latina, and she pointed that out with my mom. She says, all the people that take care of that big ears, they last a long time. <laughs> you know what? I'll take that. <laughs> I better look in the mirror. Stretch John, you're going to be here for several years. You're going to be here when we're all gone. Uh, all right, anyone else? Well, in my case, I come here to learn. I'm a, I'm a great believer in studying and figuring out what I was supposed to do. Any place out else in California or back east, just in this one and only church that I found this uh, Holy Spirit, like Tom was saying. That's what I connected with the first couple times I came here, and it's been here ever since very strongly. That's what keeps me coming back all these years. Hmm. I'm very comfortable. Yeah. Well, so you, I mean, you're new. You've never been here before. You don't even have to answer that question, but I'll throw that out. I mean, he invited you, obviously, but I mean, is there anything for you that you would 
you're interested in is like coming to this and going, oh, what's what's going on here? <laughs> uh, you know, through the years, you know, I've always gone to, I've been diff- different men's studies, Calvary Chapel, you know, or um, no, I just I like hearing the word and mm-hmm. being accountable, and uh, you know, I, I don't know what it, you know when you're a believer so many years. Well, it hasn't been that long, like 28 years, but. Um, no, you, you just, you're not like you used to be when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Like, more, ze- you know, you're zealous when you're really young. Or maybe not everybody's the same, but, you know, you get to that point where you want to go back, you know. Yeah. You know, like Hebrews says, you know, if today you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Uh-huh. It's been all, you know, I've been hearing that on my head for, for weeks. Mm. Oh, okay. I, I went through Hebrews and trying to study it out and, like, it's, you know, it's like kind of a, a warning or mm-hmm. like Hebrews 6 yeah 6 yeah I think it's in chapter 3 yeah we went through it as guys we had a good time I think it only took a year on that one or something I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I took yeah. 7 and a half years <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah okay so yeah well well welcome glad you're okay. here so are you saying you're trying to like read spark your zealousy yeah I don't know you know maybe I don't know it's just <laughs> Time went by, and you know, you just find yourself not where you used to be. So, yeah. So, I asked this question both to get the to hear where you guys are at as I were as we start on this new book. It's really good. I really appreciate all of you sharing um, because pretty much every book we look at has a purpose. I mean, the person who wrote these books, who wrote whatever book we're dealing with, whether it's Hebrews or Galatians or Isaiah, I mean, there is a purpose in which they've written that book. Um, and sometimes that purpose is pretty explicit. You know, sometimes you have to sort of flesh it out. Um, can anybody think of, like, if you want to say, well, okay, for John, where do I want to go look for that purpose? Anybody have any ideas to, in John, what that oh. purpose is and... You're asking what we think John's purpose is? Yeah. The divinity. It's what? The divinity of Christ. Okay, the divinity of Christ. All right. Anybody? What are you saying? Are you saying, put a verb on that. He's saying that Christ is God. If It's a so-called synoptic problem. I, I mean, which is like the idea that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're all kind of telling a similar similar story to each other. Right, and whereas John is like he's got this thesis that's just way more blatant than than the other gospel writers. I mean, you know, it like like John ten, like he, it's literally I and the Father are one, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's I mean we don't really see that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, I've heard an argument to be made that Trinitarian theology wouldn't stand without the Book of John, mm-hmm. and I think it's a fair argument. Mm-hmm. It, you know. Yeah. Good. So it is. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else? I mean, where, where? Well, let me ask this. So, where do you usually go to find the purpose of a book? I mean, like if you think of when we went through Hebrews, when we go, we go through Hebrews, when the we went through Galatians, where do we find that purpose? The beginning. Hmm? The, the beginning. beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like for example, in Hebrews, um, just a sort of that you brought up Hebrews. <laughs> It's a, it's a good one because if you just take a look, I mean, Hebrews opens really with its purpose. Um, it says, long ago and many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. All right. 
But in these last days, which we're in, he has spoken to us by his son. I mean, that's really Hebrews is saying, this, this is now how God speaks. He speaks through Christ. And as you see that now flushed out as to how he does that throughout Hebrews. Anybody remember Galatians? I mean, what was sort of the purpose of Galatians? Anybody remember um, as we went through Galatians? A stray church. A stray church, yeah. Good. I mean, so, and in Galatians it starts out by saying, well, first of all, saying that we live in this present evil age, right? And then it says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you. I mean, right there you get, in the beginning, it's like Paul saying, this is why I'm writing this. Where do we find that purpose in John? Can I stab at it? You sure can. I'll, I'll just read verse 5, verse 1. I think this says yeah. it. Go. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. Mm-hmm. That's his purpose. Okay, all right. To bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. He says witness three times. Okay, all right, good. But isn't he talking about John the Baptist there? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, who else? Who wants to, who else, um, anybody oh, else have any ideas? Where's the purpose in John? Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh. I thought he was talking about himself. Well, John, yeah, we'll get to that. But so just, just get some, so. Sorry, sorry, Tom. We're good now. <laughs> He's fine. No, it's fine. It's, it's fine because, I mean, we are. I mean, John is saying I've come to be the witness before that's going to witness that this Christ is going to come. Jesus, right? Um, anybody else? Where in John do we find the purpose, Eric? I find the purpose in the introduction in my Bible. <laughs> it, it talks about the key verses, the time, the person, you know, the rest of that. And uh, I did read that uh, today, earlier, to try and get up to speed. And basically, John's purpose is to convey the authenticity of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unequivocally through the fact that he was there, he observed it, mm-hmm. and he, he was a part of it, and being a part of it, and his observations and being a part of it is where the authenticity really comes from. Okay. There's such an intimacy about John. Um, he was Christ's beloved friend, and he it's just very authentic the way he speaks about it. You know he was there. You know he was there by the way he speaks about it. And um, for that reason, I think John and Peter both are the, are the disciples we can we can get closest to. Okay. All right. I think he tries to make the point too that of. Christ being man and God, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how those two work together. Right. He's flesh and blood, and he's God. God, yeah. yeah. Where did John come from? I mean, what was his background? Well, different people, I won't get into too much, but different people debate about who is the actual author of John, mm-hmm. which is a whole debate in itself. Um, something John Zebedee. Um, there's people who think actually the author is Lazarus. Um, so there's there's a, a different views as what? to who the actual yeah who the actual author of John is. I'm just letting you know there are different views. Most people would say if you're traditionally it's like John of Zebedee, all right. I mean someone who was close, one of the apostles close to, to close to Jesus. 
Um, did so Jesus select him as a disciple? As an apostle, I think. I mean, did he, was apostle. he in a boat or something? I don't recall. He was a good fisherman? Question. Yeah, good, good question. We should find, we should look that up. Well, if if <laughs> it, it is John and Zebedee, I think you would say that, that we don't have that story, right? Because the brother of Christ, and they just, just kind of came up with him. Yeah, so that's yeah, why it's some. I mean, there's different views yeah. as to what we don't. We don't. Isn't that actually? Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we'll we'll look at the authorship a little bit. But, he, but I but think right should, now. Yeah, hold should. on. Yeah, hold on. Because I just want to keep moving. Sorry, I'm doing that because I want to keep moving, or else I'm going to be here all night. Okay. <laughs> okay. Seriously, that's why I do. Um, so, John actually tells us his purpose for writing, but it's not where we think. It's not at the beginning. Sure. All right. That was a trick question. <laughs> yeah, it's a trick question. Oh, it's at the very I end? You, it's at the very end. Almost at the very end. That you may believe. That's right. Yeah. So I want you guys to turn to, John, to page 122. <laughs> you all can go to page 122. And I want you to look at what John says, or whoever he is. <laughs> okay, we won't get into that. I mean, the, the point is that the Word of God, and there's different people have different ideas as to who he is. But the most important thing is what we'll learn about finding out John will insert himself in the story, too. Um, but I want you to take a look at John 20, verse 30 and 31. Because John actually tells us why he is writing this. Just like I asked all of you, why are you here? Okay, what's the purpose of that? Well, John says, this is my purpose. This is why I'm giving you guys all this book. This is why I wrote this all down. All right. Um, I think all the different ways you guys describe it are encompassed in this purpose. All right. But he actually lays that purpose out. And he says in verse 30, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So what we, we know there's a lot of stuff we don't have. All right. But these are written. In other words, the things he has written that form the book that we're going to be looking at. He is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts when you hear that? So when you think, okay, now this is John. You guys just gave me a purpose of why you're here. John's not telling you, here's a purpose of why we wrote this book. Um, anything just jump out at you having, you know, reading that like that? that but these are written, everything we're going to read, everything we're going to study, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. interesting. Something's being revealed. Hmm. Something has to be revealed before you can believe in it. So hmm. he's saying, I'm, I'm going to reveal some things to you. Interesting. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, Good. second action is, what, well, is listening mm-hmm. or reading it. And then the second is believing. Mm. Okay. You can't believe unless you've had it revealed to you. Yeah. And so how's he and so how's the, he revealed to us? He said he's done that he's by telling us yeah. the story, he's right. telling us the witness, in this case miracles, you say. Right? Well no, he's not really saying miracles, he's just saying, but these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Christ and believe in him you have. Well life. he says he did many other signs. Yeah, there so he I take did that is that's not written. <laughs> 
right? We are going, but we are going to see that but there are signs. He's referring to signs, so yeah. I would take that as a miracle. Yeah, yeah. And we will see that that's one of the ways the book is themed as to signs. Um, but he's showing this and writing this because he wants us to what? Believe. All right. When you guys hear that word, believe, mm-hmm. how do you describe that word? What does he mean by believe? Trust. Trust. Okay, that's great. There's another word, trust. That's probably a good solid word as to what believe means. Any other things you think about when you think of the word believe? We use that word a lot. Submission. Submission. Okay. If there's no resistance, you take it in. Okay. I think there's an action to it, too. Cause yeah. There's an action to it, huh? Yeah, like Meaning what? It, well, the things that Jesus says in John and the things that are revealed in John aren't just these, like, little whatever facts. They're extremely radical things for mm-hmm. all of us. And so if we really believe it, it it's, there's going to be action involved. Hmm. Okay. I would right. say that there's a, there's a choice in believing. There's all right. a choice. So you can choose to believe or you can choose... To unbelief, to resist, huh, right. huh. to rebel. Yeah, very, very good. In fact, belief is a choice. That's good, Pete. I mean, that's actually going to be a theme we're going to see mm-hmm. pop up in John a lot. Is do you believe? Do you really believe? <laughs> uh-huh. I believe. Help my unbelief. Yeah. So, who is when you read this? Who do you think the audience is for? Who who is his audience? <coughs> Have to say the unbelievers. Oh, okay. Good. So there's one, there's one audience, okay? For sure, you could say he wants people to, that haven't made the choice, <laughs> go along with Pete, haven't made the choice to believe, and the audience is, I'm writing this so you will believe in Jesus Christ. By believing, everything goes through Christ for your eternal soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well that's at this time, he was, he was delivering a new message. It's for everyone. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yeah, it is for everyone, yeah. So, is it also for those who do believe? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's for everyone. Oh, yeah. So, so, I ask that because what's interesting here is the verbs, and we're going to do Greek too much here, but the actual verbs that is, are used here for the word believe are verbs that actually bring across both senses. Both the sense... Um, both the sense that if you're not believing, you may believe, so you come into belief, and also the idea that you can continue to believe, all right? There's not just, okay, I made this choice for Jesus, he's my Lord and Savior, I, now if anybody asked me, I would say I believe in Jesus Christ, like it's a decision I made, Okay. But he's also using the verb in the way that not only did you make that decision, but you're going to continue in believing. All right. In fact, this is what is so unique about John than any other gospel. Is this word believe? Because in John, John does something that no other gospel does. And it's, it, we see it right here. So, to be specific, in, in the gospel of John... This verb, this word, believe, and I'm going to, you guys are going to start, you know, we always have words we sort of remember in some of our studies. 
The word we're going to remember here in Greek is pistis. Okay, say that, pistis. 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 P-I-S-T-I-S. Pistis. The word... also means faith, too? Very good. Very good, Tom. So the word for believe is pistis. The word for faith is pistis. The word for trust is pistis. Okay? It is the same word. But what's interesting here is what John does with this pistis word. Because it's only in John that he only uses pistis as a verb. Okay, for those of you in English, okay. In other words, so he not only uses it only as a verb, in fact, he never uses the noun. The noun is what Tom said, faith. So we will say, I have faith in something as a, as a noun. Same word, pistis. But there's pistis as a noun, and there's pistis as a verb. John uses only pistis as a verb. Um, and he uses it 98 times in John. Just to give you some contrast, Matthew only uses it 11 times. The verb. Mar- the verb. Mark only uses it 10 times, and Luke 9 times. So it is quite remarkable. It's quite sort of like, whoa, what are you doing here, John? That he puts such an emphasis on this word believe, but not believe, like if you look at the Apostle Paul, he will, he will use believe as a verb, but he, you will hear Pastor, I mean Pastor Paul, <laughs> you'll hear the Apostle Paul, Pastor Paul, you speak <laughs> Pastor from the area <laughs> that I used to work for as a pastor up there. Um, the Apostle Paul, you will see him use pistis, but it's oftentimes in the terms of faith. Yeah. He's using his faith, okay? John is using it as a verb. As a thing, what you just say earlier, it's a action. thing you do, an it's an action. It's work. Yeah. Exactly. It, it is a thing you're doing. So we usually think of, well, I believe in Jesus, and I do these things like I pray, and I come to Tuesday night and study the Bible, and I, I you know, do these different things of the faith that I'm doing, like praying. But what John is saying, no not know, do those things. But what John is saying, what you need to be doing is believing, staying in believing. Are you not just, I believe, but are you believing? Okay? And so his thing that he's going to do throughout John is to bring us and say, your relationship with Christ is not just something that started when you place your faith, pistis, in him. You are to continuing to pistis. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And, and that, yeah. that theme, which you're just outlining, is he nails it right in the end of this verse, that you may have life in his name. Very good. That's, that's present tense, ongoing. That's right. And that is that's, the result of pistisy. That you may have eternal life. He could have said that. Right. He didn't say that. No. He says, I continue. Why am I? And what he does is he's going to see, he's going to bring this believing into what Tom just said. He's going to bring this. As I pistis, <laughs> as I believe and keep believing, I also have life. What are the yeah, three yeah. terms that you said that are related? Trust, Trust, faith, belief. And believe. I mean, there's belief and there's belief. 
Right. And he also says in that those two verses, may, doesn't say will. Yeah. It's yeah, very, well. it's very gentle. You know? Yeah. It's like you have a free choice. Right. Right. Um, I think the Septuagint mm-hmm. uses pisses, pisses. Uh, and that's I desire pesis, not sacrifice. Very good, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I hear yes. it translated as steadfast love very often. Mm-hmm. Or one guy I know uh, calls it loving loyalty. Yeah. Uh, How do you spell that, Greg? Pesis. Yeah. P i s t i s. Oh, just like it's that. Yeah, just like that. Like that, that. One of the easier ones. Is that <laughs> so where the word epistemology comes from? I don't Could know. Be. Yeah, I don't know. What does epistemology, what is it? It means knowing, right? The knowledge is yeah. epistemology, the, the, the philosophy of knowing, the science of knowing. But yeah. I don't know, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so, as one commentator says, which I think sort of sums it up for John, uh, which is where, where we're really going to be really focusing a lot as we go through the study, mm-hmm. is this faith, or pistis, for John is an activity that takes people right out of themselves and makes them one with Christ. Why do we piss this? Okay, Because it gets us out of ourselves, which we are all in, <laughs> by default. Gets us out of us. All right? And it's an activity that gets us out of us and puts us, makes us and puts us into a place where we are then one with Christ. Right. Here. That's here. That's right. Now. With him here. Thank you. Here and now. All right. So yes. All right. What occurs to me is is that our job is to be in the world but not of the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Which is right out of John seventeen. And and this <laughs> just then is the fallback place where we can resist the world. And stay on the path. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, those decisions that we make don't are that's that's what makes the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So here's another. I'm going to sum it up. Another summary, which I thought, which I read, which I thought really sort of like captures this. So John thinks of the faith, our faith. In Christ, of which he writes, not as an end in itself, but as the means of bringing people to life. That's what he just said. Life in Christ's name. Life is another of John's great themes. He writes it constantly, and invariably he thinks of real life as something to be had only through Christ. So here life is to be had by the believers, and they are to have it through Christ. And if you look here at the very end, I want you to notice what it does. It says, and that by believing you may have life, it doesn't stop there, in his name. Now, that verbiage, in his name, is key. Um, and you and remember that we're going to find out, as we get, next week we're going to get started in John 1.1. 1, 1. We're going to get started looking at the logos, all right, the God is the word. And we're going to talk about how that word that John selects to call Jesus the Logos, he's very intentional to go right up against the culture of the day and say what you guys think is the real, real is not 
the real real. Christ is a real real. We'll talk about that next week. But this word name, when you hear the name, like you notice how it says, may have life in his name, that has specific meaning, okay, in scripture. And if you turn, I want you to look now. <laughs> We're going to go back to the beginning. All right, so now go back to John 1. And I want someone to read John 1. Um, I don't know what page we're on. John 1. Uh, verses 9 through 13. Who wants to do that? Go, Gil. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, yet the wor world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. So what happens when we pistis? Receive him. We receive him. Very good. We receive him. What else happens when we pistis? We're Look a child of God. Say it again. We're a child of God. We're a child of God. This is huge. <laughs> okay? When we do the, the first pistis, when we place, make that decision Pete's talked about, when we place our faith in Christ, Christ came for all, right? I mean, we know he came and died for all. But that doesn't mean that everyone is in a relationship with Christ. To get in relationship with Christ, you have to be a child of God. Yeah. Your whole identity changes. You're no longer children of the world, or the devil, I think it says in some places, but you now become a child of God. You are brought into a familiar relationship, and you do that when you place your pistis in a person. And this is key. Not in a belief, because that's what the difference is here. When you notice how it says that who believed in his name? The word used name, name there is very important because what that means is that it, what you're placing your pistis in is not some theology, not some doctrine, not some belief. You're placing your faith in a person. A real living person, which but is the, the person fact of Christ. Mentioned a child of God connotes a maturing process that happens, which it does, which is part of what we're going to be talking about exactly. But notice that that's when we're when we're believing this believing that's taking place is is not about believing, and it is important our doctrines. It's important what we believe. And it's important we know who Christ is, but ultimately what we are believing and in relationship with 
where we become a child of God is we are in a relationship with a living being, with Christ himself, fully God, fully human. I don't know if you guys know this, but do you know that Jesus is still fully God and fully human today? Right now. He still is fully God and fully human. We learned that in Hebrews. He sits at the right hand of God. Fully God, fully human. He is a person we can have a relationship with. He is a person who desires that relationship. And so that's why we also are a child of God. Because when we're made... when Think of, think of like when you grew up. You had a father. And you were their son. Alright? You could say to someone, that status of your father and you being the son never changes, does it? I mean, you're born into that, okay? But you probably know, <laughs> even if you have sons today, you can have that relationship between a father and son and know it exists, but you can also say you never actually continue in that relationship or you break that relationship or you stop that relationship. So even though you have the status of I'm a child of my father, you can, even though that status is there, no matter what you do, you can choose to walk away from your father. You can choose to not be relating with your father. And what you're seeing in John is he's saying, no, not only are you becoming a child of God, that you now are now, all of us in this room, if you place your faith in Christ, you're a child of God. All right, But what John wants us to do is continue in that relationship. He wants us to keep pistising. He wants us to keep in that relationship with Christ. Okay, And this is sort of the struggle of John, is because people were not doing that. We're going to see over and over again that people hear him, and people even say, I believe, but they don't continue in that belief. And John is very concerned that we continue. That's why he says my purpose of my book is not that you just believe, but that you continue in that belief and have that life. All right. I think he'd be even more concerned now. Than <laughs> <laughs> he was then. What? And, well, and he was concerned, right. And we're going to see that over again. In fact, so now turn. I want you to see where this happens as an example. I want you to turn to John 8 sort of our little quick overview of John today, because in John 8, this problem that, <laughs> that John just says is continuing, <laughs> which we all know it is, it doesn't all of us, right? I mean, I think in listening to all of you, as we all struggle in our relationship with Christ, the struggle is, how do I stay pissing? How do I stay in that belief? How do I keep in that relationship? Okay. Um, and that is what John's concerned about, is... is Jesus showing us how do we stand that relationship. And if you take a look at John, I want you to look at page 54. So what's happening here, and we're, when we get to this place, we'll study this more. So I just want to give you a, take you somewhere specifically as to what he's going to do here. Because if you look at John 8, and I want to start page 54 at verse 25. Yeah, yeah. And verse 25. Okay, everyone there, page 54, verse 25. So what's happening is that he's having this discussion with the Jews, all right? And he's seeing that some of the Jews are hearing him, some of them are not, some of them are rejecting him, all right? And so he says, 
just I'm picking up in the middle of a conversation here. Um, so they said to him, that these are the Jews, who are you? The very famous question we all ask of Jesus. That's how we sort of come to faith. Who is this guy? <laughs> all right, I keep hearing about him. Who is, who is this Jesus? And Jesus says to them, just what I've been telling you. <laughs> it's like, haven't I told you over and over again? Just what I keep telling you. From the beginning, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. And they did not understand what he had been speaking to them about, that they had been speaking to him about the Father. So the Jews are having problems trying to understand, what is Jesus talking about here? What are you saying? And so Jesus says to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, and I'm sure at this point they're really getting more confused, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And notice what happens next. And he was saying these, as he was saying these things, many pistissed in him. Mm-hmm. Many believed in him. All right. But what happens is, is that very right then, these Jews that were believing in him were just starting to fall away. Okay, so they would like say, we believe in him, we believe, but then all of a sudden they would just fall away. That faith. They're not staying in, they're not pistocene, <laughs> okay, staying in that belief. Word only. Yeah, in word only, they hear it. Um, Even the demons believe. Yeah, okay, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, we can get trying to get theological about it, trying to figure out what did they really believe, did they lose their faith? I mean, that's, he's not, he's, he's concerned about saying, don't just believe, but just keep on this pistocene. So then, in verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, so he's sort of now coming back, as we'll see when we get to this passage, he's now trying to come back and say, hey, you guys are sort of falling away. And he says, so Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah. What Jesus is concerned about now is that, did you say you believed in me? But you really believe in me. Do you really take that belief? And are you living that out? Are you pissing that out? Are you my, what? Disciple. Are you really following me? Well, he says, abide in my word. If you abide in my word. Exactly. And notice that that's a, that's a what statement? Actually, if, yeah, if, a conditional statement. Declare. If you abide in my word. And abide you, is similar to your pistis word. Which is exactly, yes, that's exactly where we're going. Because here, if you abide in my word, then this is what makes you truly a disciple. Not just that you said... Hey, I believed in Jesus 20 years ago. I'm saved. I'm cool. Okay. But the question Jesus would ask is, are you staying, abiding in my word? Are you? Because if you are, then you are truly my disciple. What does abide mean? We're going to get into that. 
That's exactly what we'll go. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Huh? Tonight? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it occurs to me that he's pushing against the Pharisees and Sadducees that had everybody in the grips of all the rules and regulations that they set up uh, to be, quote-unquote, a Christian if you did it their way. So this is a complete break from that. Oh, yeah. That's right. And, but, but the whole tradition has been whatever the Pharisees and Sadducees say that's what we have to do to be successful and function as a society. Yeah, you just said we have to do. We have to we follow have these to rules. Yeah. So okay. he's pushing against that. And oh saying, yeah. Hey, that doesn't go anymore. Yeah. 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 And that's yeah. a radical yeah. change. Yeah. Yeah. Now, just as yeah. a, a very quick, very quick aside, is that <clears> if you um, if you take a look at. Um, Sure. This statement, many of you have probably, many of you have probably it's heard this better. statement. All right, yeah, get some light. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to see over there. So many people I know, and I used to use this as a test of at a final life with Tom Martin my church. Um, I can go up, I think, to anybody, anybody in the city, and I can say, Christian or not, and I can say. You will know the truth, and the truth will. And every person will be able to answer that. I'm going to just just try that sometime. Yeah. Go up to someone, believe it or not, doesn't really matter. Go up and go up to them and say, if you know the truth, the truth will set you, and they'll, they'll finish it for you. If you know the truth, the truth will set me free. All right. I've heard this passage preached. I hear preachers. I hear. Christians, I hear all the time say, if you know the truth, it's going to set you free. And that's all we say. And we forget the Very most important part that is a conditional statement. No. If you know the truth, you will not be set free. That's not what it says. It says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciple, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The then is implied there in Greek. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay. So keep that in mind when you talk to people, because it is one that so many, pretty much everybody I know, Christian or not, will just completely get that wrong. And it's used in in our media. It's used a lot of different places where you, where you hear that said. So what's happening here, and Tom just was picking this up, is what. What John is going to do now is in, in here, he's going to say, the important thing is for you to keep pistising, <laughs> believing. But how do we do that? We do that by abiding. He switches and uses a different word to talk more about this ongoing relationship called abiding. All right. And that word abiding, which we will talk more about as we go along, but that word abiding means a real ongoing dynamic relationship with a person or really here with a living God. All right. So it means you are encountering God. <laughs> you are in this relationship. All right. So you remember what happened in Isaiah six, all of you who are in Isaiah, Isaiah encounters the living God in Isaiah six. In that moment, in Isaiah six, he is abiding with, and actually what we learn in John, those of you who were here in Isaiah, we learn that 
Isaiah, I mean, John 12 tells us that abiding was actually with Christ. It was actually Christ he was abiding with. He's in the presence. So when you think of the word abiding, it means a real, dynamic, ongoing presence relationship with the living God. What happens when you are abiding in Christ? What happens? You will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. What else happens? What happens to your life? You when experience you're Christ. You experience Christ? You're free. What? Hmm? You're free. You're free? After you know what happened to Isaiah? Did anybody remember? What happened to Isaiah in Isaiah 6 when he encountered the living God? Paul encountered the living God. He abided in Christ when he fell off the horse. <laughs> okay. What happened to Isaiah? Remember? He was experiencing the complete Shekinah glory of the throne. Yeah. And what was his response? I'm undone. I'm undone. And then how and then what did God do? The cherub came and seared his lips with burning coals. And which symbolized that your sacrifice and atonement. Your sins have been atoned for. Literally all your sin, you've been transformed. Isaiah has been transformed in that moment, being with the living God. And that's what that's what Christ wants for us. He's come to have this relationship so we don't just, in the sense, pistis, but that we abide in Christ. That we stay in this relationship with Him. And the big question is, <laughs> how do we do that? <laughs> How do we stay in this relationship? The trouble is is that when things are going good, I don't need them. (laughs) But when I need them, I really need them. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Well, and I think some of you have said that as as we were going around. (laughs) Some of you... The attitude is like, blessed are, you know, all the ones that need them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do we stay in that relationship? Stay on the horse. I mean, Christ is the horse. You don't get off the horse. (laughs) That's good. Anybody got a horse? I I was just noticing sometimes. Just say how, like, I think John wrote Revelation too, and but it's uh, it sounds so much like Revelation three when Christ is warning the churches, and he's like, like, because you have kept my word of patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. If you conquer, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. You will never go out. Right? I I, I mean, it sounds like it's just warning to the churches, right? Like, and he he says, like, if if you conquer, right? Uh A lot of conditionals. So those are examples of either abiding or not abiding, yeah, depending on whether or not it's a criticism or a or like a. Uh, I think what he's saying is great. It's great you brought that. He's saying abiding, abiding can be tough. <coughs> you're, you know, he's saying to the late churches there, you're going to suffer. Yeah. And hold fast. Right. Endurance. Right, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, so because it, 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 he continues, like I know your works, right? Mm-hmm. So in it, and then you get theological. Yeah. So I want you to, to turn to John fourteen ten. 
I'm going to tell you, we're sort of jumping around here. John 14, 10. Page. Page 88. It makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? <laughs> so, John 14, 10. Um, it says, Do you not believe, Pistis, that I am the Father? And the, sorry. Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, hear that word, words again? The word that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Mm. That word dwell is that word, same exact word as abide. Well, when, it, when I hear abide, it, it also reminds me of abode. <laughs> abode is a dwelling. Is a dwelling. Abide, you know, it's trying to think, okay, what's the root word? Yeah, they seem they sound similar. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Where where abide. do you abide? In an where abode. is your abode? <laughs> where is our home in Christ? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Be, well, not to give it away, but we're going to find out next week in John one. Right? What happens is Jesus comes in, makes his abode with us. He tabernacles with us. Okay, but just going back here, I want you to notice that we're being asked to abide in this dynamic relationship with Christ. But did you, have you ever thought that Christ himself is abiding? Mm-hmm. We're learning from Jesus what he has done and what he is doing. Jesus himself abides. And he abides where? With God. With, that's right. With the Father. Exactly. And so you see this very, very tight relationship that the relationship we're called to in Christ is the same relationship that Christ has with his Father. Same words that are used. It's this, I am in you, you are in me. I abide in you, you abide in me. It's not just being asked that we abide in Christ, but we're being shown by Christ that he abides with the Father. And I want you to notice, it says, the words I say to you, so you notice how he said, abide in my words in John 8? Like, what does this mean? All right. Well, here you see that Christ is doing that. The words that I say to you, that Christ speaks to you, I do not speak on my own, but those words are coming from my Father who I abide with. Same thing, John 8, it says, If you abide in my word, what's the word? What's the word? What is this? (laughs) Who is the word? Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right. So this abiding, and you're going to see him up and further. John fifteen seven says the same thing. The way you abide, the very first thing Jesus says when he does the um, vine and the branches about abiding, or a lot of people go to John fifteen. That abiding. That abiding, the very first thing that Jesus says is the way you abide in me is through my words okay so there's something that happens here with the words all right you see what jesus is doing here he's saying i speak these words to you now i want you to turn back to john 8 and i want you to notice in john 8 in that verse in 25 through 30 i just want you to notice that what is happening there 
is you're seeing an example of how Jesus is abiding with the Father. What is, I want, so my question is, what is Jesus doing with words <laughs> that he's getting from his Father? What does he passing do? Passing them on. Thank you, Gil. He's passing them on. So he's getting these words from the Father, and he's not just like going, had a good conversation with my Father, I'm not going to tell anybody. All right? What is he doing? He is constantly taking those words he hears, and he's speaking them and telling us those words. All right? So if you notice, just very quickly, starting in verse 25, what just what I have been telling you, okay? Um, verse tw- uh, 26, um, I declare to you the things that I have heard from them. Okay, so he hears from the Father. What does he do when he hears? He declares it. You go back into verse 28, 26. But I speak as the Father has taught me, and he who sent me is me. And it goes on. And then it says in verse 30, and he was saying these things. What we often forget is that if we say we want to become like Christ... What did Christ do more than anything else? Pray. No. Abide. Well, teach. He abided, and how did he abide? the Father. Yeah, well, he abided. What is he doing in that abiding? He is, we just read Doing the will of the Father. Listening. He's listening to the words of the Father, and he is doing what with those words? Passing them on. He's declaring. He's speaking. So, sorry, but are you saying that is our model? I am. If I, we are abiding in the Lord Jesus, then He, we will listen, and He will tell us what to say, and we will declare it. <laughs> okay. Is that what you're saying? So I want you to. I without me answering that directly right now, I want you to John. You guys have your Bibles. Turn to First John. Let's see what let's see what the Bible says first of all. Okay. The book of First John? First John. Also by the same author as John. I want you to go to First John and I want you to go to First John four. Like now. So first John four. I'm like, Betty, come on. There we go. 15 and 12. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Is it verse 15? God abide in him? First John, yeah. First John 4, 15. (coughs) Now, I'm going to read starting at verse 13. So 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 13, says, by, you guys there? by this time, by this we know that we abide, oh, whoops, whoo, there's that word again, in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen 
and testified. So we have the Spirit in us. But it says, and we have seen and, what? Testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And now listen to this. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. That word confess is not just what we mostly think of as like, Jesus is Lord, <laughs> okay? It's this whole idea of anything, of professing the speech, of speaking Christ, of speaking his words into the world. And he says, the way you abide, and there's other ways of abiding. I'm not going to say there's not other ways. I'm saying the primary way you see Jesus and the way he's telling us to abide in him is to do something we don't, don't normally think about, is to speak. I'm going to say, speak Christ. To actually not just get this word in us, but to get the word out of us. And what we forget is that that flowing from not just in us to out of us, what John is saying is that is actually what creates the abiding, the actual presence of God, the actual change that happens through that encounter is when we speak Christ into the world. There is power for all of you to speak Christ, to learn <laughs> and hear, and this, and what is Christ's word? All of this, all right? But when we do that, what we're finding out in John, and we're going to see throughout John, is Jesus is going to be modeling this for us over and over again. And what's interesting, he's going to be the one that's doing it, and then he's going to get us to John 15, and all of a sudden he's going to tell us, Specifically, you now need to do this too. Is you to be ones speaking that word into the world. And this is not something, to be blunt, I'll be blunt, not something we talk about a lot as Christians. Literally. <laughs> we don't talk about the fact that we need to do it, but we all don't talk about it. We are very good at talking about a whole lot of things going on in the world. We're really good at listening to the news and telling everybody about what's happening in the news. We're telling mm. about what my opinion is of this. We're telling me about that. I mean, we are, sure. I think these days well, with even, social even, media. You're right. Even talking around the Christian ethos, and stuff, we talk all sorts of stuff, but not Christ. Very good. Right. Exactly. And what's yeah, interesting like, is John saying the way you abide in him is not what you think. It's not like about, let's just all get in here and study it. Get this all inside of me. Let's go to church and I hear a sermon and I'm going to um, listen to all these good podcasts about you know, <laughs> studying the word and I'm going to come to Tuesday night and I'm going to get, the, you know, get some more of the word. And it's like, that's all good. Because guess what? you got to get the word in you to get it out of you. But if you don't get it out of you, you don't end up abiding. And the power of learning to say, how do we see Christ changes? What we're going to do in this study of John is we're going to be creative and learn. And when I say get Christ out of us, I'm not talking necessarily, we mostly traditionally think evangel, being an evangelistic, or being on the street corner saying, Jesus is Lord. 
I'm talking about all those many, many faucets of ways we can all learn from each other. And me learn from all you guys. All of us learn together. Yeah. How do we learn to start doing this? We should. All right? Because this world needs to hear Christ. But not only does the world need to hear Christ, we need to be speaking it so we will be abiding in Him. And what I have seen over and over again in my life and over and over again in other people's lives who speak that all of a sudden things in your life you never thought would change start to change. Not because you focus on trying to change those, but because you've been in the mode of speaking Christ. I mean, I'm not going to use you as a specific example, but I've been watching Chad as he is taken upon this role of youth pastor and as he has been starting to teach kids how to open up and read this for themselves so they can hear from Christ. And it's been neat hearing about how these teenagers are sucking it up and they're talking about it. <laughs> I mean, they're speaking it. But I've never told this. But what's also I see is I see God working in this guy. I see him changing you. I see because you are speaking this to the kids. And God's working in you. <laughs> and I'm seeing the way it's changing his life. And I've seen that in me. I've seen so many people as you learn to do this. And that's what we're going to do. If you want to know what we're going to do as we walk through John, we're going to walk through John. But we're going to learn how do we actually do this. And I'm going to leave you tonight with one passage, which is going to be sort of our passage, which is not in John, about doing this. So I want you guys to turn to 2 Corinthians 2.17, and then we'll close for tonight. Second Corinthians chapter 2, <clears throat> and I'm going to read, and I'll just read just for time, um, bum, 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 bum. oh yeah, 2.17, I'll just read yeah, two. <sighs> Second Corinthians 2.17, here what Paul says, <clears throat> um, well let me just start, I'm going to verse, start at verse 14, Be but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in tri a triumph procession, that through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. That's what happens when you speak Christ. You become this fragrance of Christ, speaking who He is. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. I love that. Being saved. Okay? It's like that pistocene, continuing and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. There's that word life again. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not. So this is going to be sort of our little, little motto as we go through John. For we are not as men like so many peddlers of God's word. And what that really means there is people who distort God's word or don't really tell you the truth of God's word, or make up different things about God's word. Like so many, we are not going to be peddlers of God's words, but we are going to be men, men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, and in the sight, which the word means presence of God, we are going to speak in Christ. 
And when you speak in Christ, you're actually doing that in the presence of Christ who lives in us. And how do we do that as men who take and go, how do I get this word in me so I can speak it? Because it's in that speaking that you're going to find that you're going to see that abiding take place, that God is going to start changing your lives. I mean, this in um, Tom maybe was seen some of this, but I mean, this is the thing that we did up at Abundant Life a lot with what we did with our training where we were teaching and discipling others, was really teaching them to speak Christ, really teaching them to get the word out of them, teaching them how to teach others to do that. And the beauty is when you can get, when you can not only speak it to others, but when I speak it to Glenn, Glenn goes and speaks it to someone else or learns how to do that. And Glenn even teaches that person how to speak Christ to others. And so pretty soon our conversations start to becoming not about the world, but about Christ. Now what does that look like? That's what we're all going to figure out together. <laughs> I don't have an answer for you right now. Okay, You're not talking about just going out and quoting I'm not Scripture. going out. That's exactly right. Okay, because, and, uh, because that, to me, that that's very difficult. Well, I'm not talking about that. Here's okay. a good. Here's a good. Here's a good summary of that. Okay, there is a givenness about this passage we just read. Um, I think the summers up with sums up what you just said. There is a givenness of thatness to the word of God that must not be reduced or distorted. All ministers, and that's us, must be committed to the canon of the gospel as Paul was. That this verbal message of the Word of God demands that those who speak it incarnate the integrity of God in their lives, mindful that they do so in the sight of God before whose tribunal we stand. And like Paul, they speak of the fullness of the relationship with Christ, that is, those in Christ. We're speaking and learning to speak in a way in Christ that we bring Christ into that conversation. So, it doesn't mean we speak the Word of God. Well, absolutely it does a lot of times. Or it's taking that Word and learning how to speak it in a way that I'm not just quoting it, but I'm speaking it into my relationships. All right? Um, that's one By that you mean the, the essence of it, the, the truth of it. Right, or the literal speaking it, too. It's all of it, okay? That's what I'm going to say, hang in there, guys. <laughs> hang in there, because guess what? Jesus is going to teach us how to do this in John. This is really what Jesus is doing all through John, is he is speaking, taking the God. words of the Father and speaking them to us, and then telling us, take those words and speak them to others. And you are now abiding in this chain between Father to Son to us. And you can see him doing, you probably have never seen that in John. He does this over and constantly throughout John. Is speaking, abiding in his Father, and speaking to us. So, <laughs> I don't expect you to go, like, what does that mean? I go, well, that's what we're going to figure out. We're going to find out. But what we're going to do, I hope through all that, is be men who become truly Christ to this world, to others. Because we have the presence of him in us, learning to speak him in the world means we actually become fully in that sense, we become like Christ to the world.
I think it's very important then that we watch our language. <laughs> I mean, I, I have you a tendency to um, occasionally say something I I regret. Uh huh. Um, and and I'm going to say, just one of the ways you stop that is not by just trying to stop that, but what you start do is you start changing your conversation. You start changing about what am I saying to others. It's not just things I shouldn't say, but I start saying positively things to others, and I speak in Christ. And what we're doing, John, is we're going to have to learn in Christ, as so we can speak in Christ, is what we doubt, okay, as we go through. Um, so that means being very mindful all the time. It absolutely Consci- does. Consciously being mindful. Absolutely. But rather, the work of the flesh, just live with the Lord. Which yeah, is not so much really the guys, I love y'all. Thank you. Thank you. All right, yeah, great. I'm glad tomorrow. you come. Thank you. He's got to go to work really early in the morning. What's, what's his last name? Miller. Oh, you know Andre and Bill Miller? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah I thought that was it. Yeah. 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 All right. Can I throw a cookie? On Absolutely. You, and then we'll you, close. You, you used the scripture 10 minutes ago, and it's First um, John 3.14. And just think of Jesus standing there at his trial with the Sanhedrin. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent his Son, who is the Savior of the world. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he and God. What condemned Jesus? Caiaphas asked him, By the living God, are you the Son of God? I am. I am. That, that, con- that convicted him. Yeah, those words. That put Jesus put on, on the cross. cross. Those were, so, <laughs> there's so much, there's huge power in that. God's telling us, what the scriptures are telling us here. You speak those words, and the same tremendous power is involved, in, right. and it's hard to say those words. It is. Those it words is. are really hard when you're trying to talk to somebody who's not Christian or, yeah. you know, open-minded with the various cultures right. and religions. It's like, are you telling me? Yeah, I am. That's it. Yeah. So, going on that, here's my assignment for you guys this week, okay? You said about being mindful. Here's how I want you to be mindful. Either and or tell someone about what you've learned here tonight. Tell them about what we're doing. Just just tell someone, okay? But here's what I want you. But here's what I want you to do this week. We as Christians very easily use the word God in our conversations. We say God. We say God all the time, okay? We and if you think about, it, we really do. I want you to change that this week. I do not want Jesus. you to say God anymore. Say Jesus. I want you to say Jesus or Christ or Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Most powerful name in the world. Amen. Oh, a clear room. Amen. Clear <laughs> room. Be mindful, as Gil said, and try that this week. Try to stop yourself from saying God in your conversations and instead replace it with Jesus. Excuse me. Okay. Instead, I want to hear about that next week. All right? I love you guys. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Last time you showed up. <laughs> um, all right, let me pray. I'll let us go. Oh, Father, just thank you for this evening. Um, as we're all going, thank you for Mark being here. Thank you for all the new... I forget your name again? Chris. Chris. Thank you for Chris being here. Um, and just work in our lives this week, as Gil said. Help us to be mindful. Help us to just in these baby steps learn how we can be like you. And we can speak.
Christ into this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.